0: Hello, and welcome to No More Questions. Thank you for choosing to spend this time with me. My name is Clémence Rebora, and as any self-respecting teenage cynic, a handful of TV characters have quotes that I absolutely live by. Carrie Bradshaw, in all her bad, annoying friend Glory, gave us, and me, some of the most philosophical lines of the 90s when she said, after all, computers crash, people die, relationships fall apart. The best we can do is breathe, And reboot and when she said sometimes i would buy vogue instead of dinner i just felt it failed me more both times she was right and i'm so pleased to introduce you to our show as you already know normal questions is your weekly journalism show where we discuss some of the most interesting developments and debates in the industry and where i prompt experienced renowned and award-winning editors and media personalities to share what makes a truly great interview as well as their favourite career memories and some advice for those of you interested in pursuing a career in the sector. This week I'm so excited for you to join me as we go behind the scenes on the, fig- on the figures who dictate style, the bosses of fashion eater tastes all over the world. You guessed it, the editors of Vogue. If you've seen The Devil Wears Prada or if you're able to recognise a strawberry blonde Bob amid first row pictures of fashion week, well this is the podcast for you. However, beyond the confines of Fashion Sultana, Anna Wintour, and beyond American Vogue, today, on No More Questions, we're profiling the taste makers of today and tomorrow all over the globe. What makes it so that an editor-in-chief for the most well-known arts publication in the world has the space and talent to cover a particular path for their country's edition, How do the new cohort of Vogue heads of editorial content, introduced in 2021 for many of them in Europe and in China, go about the transition, both asserting their place as a new avant-garde fashion and building upon the tradition and legacy of their predecessors? Under the Vogue umbrella, many different sizes of readership and cultural influence exist, from the leading American edition to the most recent one, Vogue Philippines, founded in 2022. Since its creation in 1892, when it was still a weekly paper, Vogue has not stopped growing and breaching new territories, both global and virtual. In 2016, for example, Vogue Arabia was founded as the first digital first publication of the brand, with its print publication coming in later, a few months later in 2017. While its brand multiplies endeavors and compiles pre- print storytelling with an influential digital presence on social media, especially through video content that goes beyond the studying editorial photography that the Vogue brand is known to foster, it's really hard to deny that Vogue is indeed, and remains, a pioneer, especially at times with other culture or entertainment magazines failing to keep a place of choice in the cultural zeitgeist. For example, you might remember Allure magazine, also under the kind of nice stamping like Vogue, who shut down its print edition last December to go fully digital. Often the success is explained by the vision of the main creatives behind each edition that allow each of them to flourish and come together under a mostly non-competitive and harmonious brand. Focusing on the senior most and newest additions to the head of editorial content team, it's this vision that we're unpicking today on the More Questions. To begin with, there are a few words that you could use to sum up Edward Enninful, the powerhouse at the helm of British Vogue since 2017. Some of them are young prodigy, considering he became fashion director of ID Magazine at the bedazzling age of 18, something that's never been done before or since, you could also choose natural talent, as he grew up learning to sell his job on the go with his mother, who is a seamstress. Or you could also say that he's a true ally to the Timothy chalamet Chalamet-Gurley community. The list really goes on, although that one is a personal pick. Today, Edinburgh is not just the editor-in-chief of British Vogue, but also the editorial director for all of European Vogue, with no less than 12 editions over the continent. Despite American Vogue having the largest readership, Europe is the most dynamic continent under the brand. This is at least partly due to Ennthal, under whose leadership a number of these editions have come to flourish. For example, the Scandinavian edition has been created in the time since he came to his position, and the Dutch edition, Vogue Netherlands, has been relaunched last year after the news that it was shut down. It's often said that the most important magazine cover is the September issue for Vogue. This is true both of the September American Vogue edition, which is said to be the most important of all fashion magazines, but also in every edition for the September edition marks the um, renewal of the fashion sphere. Anyway, under and Falls, succeeding editions have superseded record sales and advertising revenues, with an impressive run of a few years comprised of Rihanna on the cover in in 2018, then in 2019 an issue all about female icons guest edited by Meghan Markle, and a stunning, record-breaking issue in 2020 entitled Activism Now. That cover was was shot by Misson Harriman, who's one of the currently most in-demand photographers in the media, known for his coverage of Lockdown Life and the Black Lives Matter protests in in 2020 as well. And also the combined alternative covers for that issue contained the portraits done by Harriman of 20 activists engaged in action around racial justice. An Infolk's commitment to making British Vogue a strong partaker in social conversations and breaching culture and entertainment into politics is an important reason for this success, giving the UK edition of the magazine a relatability that some may find to lack in other editions. His vision of collaborative covers with young, fresh voices in photography and editing has given new breadth to British Vogue. The real question is, how successful and important will his new additions to the Vogue market offer in the long run? and to what degree will they be meant to challenge the big four, that is US, British, French, and Italian Vogue. Our next Vogue of head of editorial content, I'll admit, I am a little biased towards. Eugénie Trochu was appointed HEC of Vogue Paris in September 2021, and a short while after, in November, the magazine became Vogue France, setting out a new editorial outlook on creative cultures with a vocation to stretch beyond the, the French capital. That decision, which was accompanied with subsequent issues bringing the French, Italian and Spanish folk divisions in a common search for what makes Mediterranean Mediterranean fashion, comes after landmark events in the fashion sphere that seem to campaign for an ubiquity of fashion centres in a country that's marked with many historic regional textile and garment-crafting traditions. You'll probably remember French label Jacques Muse's spring-summer 2020 runway show called L'Amour, set in the province region in the middle of the fields, where models walk along the fields on a pink carpet. Anyway, as I told you earlier, I could be, maybe, considered to be a bit biased, being so enthusiastic about the woman behind, behind French Vogue. And with good reason. Um, I met Eugénie last year at a Vogue event in Paris along with a few of her editors where we had a very lovely conversation about how she truly rose up the ranks start- from starting out as an intern at Condé Nast. Vogue France celebrated his 100th anniversary this time last year and I think that one of the main challenges for the publication under her tenure is going to be how to consolidate and expand upon its legacy as the third pillar of Vogue worldwide while also expanding into new digital media and adapting to a time where Paris's status as the world's leading fashion city is being chased, envied and challenged by emerging fashion scenes with beautiful craftsmanship and shows. Talking about the cultural tastemakers of Vogue and another newcomer of the 2021 change in most of the editors in many Vogue countries. Um, we're going to be talking about Francesca Regazzi, who's the current head of editorial content for Vogue Italia. While many of her counterparts in other similar positions at Vogue come from a strictly fashion writing background, as for example is the case with the last one we talked about, um, Regazzi herself spent 11 years at Condé Nast writing most often about fashion markets, which gives her a sort of commercial and business-oriented vein of Vogue writing that's one of the central reasons for her promotion. As head of editorial content, the latest covers of Vogue Italia and The Ragazzi have proven the, edit- the edition status as an eye-catching favourite, with some of the most original photography and artistic direction of the year. We shall remember the March 2020 cover with the reigning mother of runway designer icons, Donatella Versace herself, posing for Mert Alice and Marcus Piggott, the duo behind um, Gucci's Starfield dreamy voluptuous video campaigns, and we'll also remember the July 2022 issue starring Zendaya as a 20s beauty, as well as Regazzi's first issue as head of editorial content, the November 2021 issue featuring Lady Gaga with honestly really a stunning cover um, with only her close shot, almost bare face, showing in a celebration of simplicity that's aesthetically reminiscent of 60s glossy paper adverts. This follows upon the tradition of Vogue Italia being one of the most eye-pleasing and experimental Vogue editions, which has created um, iconic, frankly, iconic spreads like the 2005 Linda Evangelista and Stephen Meisel Makeover Madness. I'm sure you've heard of this one. It was a 30-page declination of visual questions around the politics of cosmetic, not plastic, surgery, which is widely regarded as perhaps the best editorial photography to ever come out of Vogue. With the covers that we've mentioned above, it seems that Vogue Italia under Fran Ragazzi is on the right track to continue upon this legacy, but we should hope that such an iconic moment come out of her tenure, to solidify her place in the pantheon of Vogue legends. Now we're going to be talking about Margaret Chang. She was named Vogue China's Editor-in-Chief last year at 27 she was the youngest ever to be appointed to such a position within the vogue ecosystem this frankly was major news um not just because of her age or like breaking record but because of who came before her she followed in the steps of angelica Chung, who founded and developed the edition in 2005 and whose tenure breached the Western fashion clout of Vogue and the growing high fashion consumer market in China, as well as the Chinese clothing arts um, industry into two interacting forces. Her successor then could not just be anybody and Margaret Chang was a fit, probably because of her experience as a multi-hanger in the fashion sphere. She's both a longtime fashion writer with a successful blog with millions of views throughout the years, and also a creative director for fashion brands like Tory Burch, as well as, really the list doesn't stop, um, as well as a business consultant for fashion creatives trying to implement themselves in China and develop from China into Southeast Asia as whole, Through her own multicultural experience, Zhang like Chung can solidify the ties between Vogue China and its counterparts, especially around the Pacific, as um, Margaret grew up in Australia where another Vogue edition thrives. With Vogue China, her mission is to create a propiscuous environment for the brand to expand and to become the Asian to the exchange Vogue's editions, what British Vogue is to the European editions. Across the many digital markets, there are sometimes specific to China and also those that exist um, and the business channels that exist in breaches borders. This is it for today. I have normal questions and I hope neither of you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you didn't actually think I would title an episode, The Devil Wears Chanel, and not talk about inspiration behind Miranda Priestly herself, the bob-wearing and floral-pattern-loving icon Anna Wintour. Did you? Anyway, well, I'm not, so where to begin? The woman is credited for Vogue's long-running success since the 80s and her tenure as editor-in-chief of British Vogue. Admired, feared, respected, judged, snorted. Anna Wintour, who today is at the helm of the artistic direction for Condé Nast as a whole, as well as being the editor-in-chief of American Vogue is the biggest pop culture phenomenon to ever happen to fashion writing. But behind the fast-paced toxic environment that we commonly associate with Vogue, that's commonly associated with Vogue um, by us in our collective imagination, since, for example, The Devil Wears Prada, the one word that should most often be associated with Wintour is elusive. So much so that in 2019, when her profile with The Guardian's fashion editor, Jess Carlton-Morley came out, it was sort of groundbreakingly personal, despite not saying much about her personal life at all. Culturally, we're told that the people in position like hers, or sometimes the character directly mimicking her, are elitists who cannot bear to witness, much less be impacted by, other people's vehemences and failures. It's way too easy, I believe, to forget that Wintle's very first cover of US Vogue in 1985, when she made a jump from Britain to the US, featured the readership's uniform, a pair of jeans, a deliberate move to signify a new era where Vogue, as the representative of fashion to the masses, would expand until it poured through the entire fabric of the cultural zeitgeist of magazine writing, and become accessible to more than a select few who know impl- intrinsically about fashion. What strikes when you really look at or listen to Anna Wintour in the few occasions that she gives us mere mortals that to do so, is that in a sense And in a sense, and in essence, she gets cool. From being, frankly, on the right side of history of tennis supporting, because she believes Federer over Nadal, and she's right, to branching out from the supermodel cover motif and highlighting female leaders and celebrities with something to say earlier than any red carpet has, Anna Wintour doesn't just get cool, she makes it. The shifts she has introduced to Vogue, despite some being disputed over claims that her personal involvement in politics sometimes influences decisions on covers and the claims that that's not entirely deontological, those shifts have had extremely palpable and almost invisible also effects on our ways of understanding fashion as a global power for influence. In fact, the notion that some of these changes are invisible is her greatest strength. The true measure of Wintour's qualities as an art director and as a business leader is her ability to care for Vogue as a resource more than as a brand. She's more than in small part the reason for many features of the interactions between fashion and other layers of culture that it interacts with. It takes actual direction, power and leadership to sit at the most important seat along a runway and know that you're the reason behind who sits around you, who sits behind you, who sits next to you, who can and who will be watching at home and also for some of the fashion that you are experiencing. So, even if you love or hate blue cerulean, you have to recognize that heavy is the head that bears the Chanel sunglasses. This time, this is really it for normal Questions. I have no more questions, and I hope neither do you. Next week, we'll be back live on Tuesday for another close look at the media industry, and in the weeks after that, our regularly scheduled programming of expert interviews with Brett, with conversations with sports commentators about the World Cup, fashion writers, which is in tune with today's episode, and also PR experts like Claire Adler coming on the show and many more um, that you can look forward to. I'm looking forward to next week's episode before we go back to getting insights directly from those who make your news. And I hope you'll be along for the ride. I'm Clémence Rebora and this was No More Questions, episode 7. Thank you so much for tuning in and see you next time.